truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to The Blaze live and on demand. This is The Steve Dace Show. That would be me. Todd and Aaron are here as well. 888-900-3393 is one way that you can join us. 888-900-3393. You can also email the program. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you are listening today on the radio or via podcast, uh, particularly on the podcast, if you'd leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would greatly appreciate that. Coming up a little bit later on, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be taking us inside politics. Also, a truth bomb that I am looking forward to springing on Todd and getting his reaction to it. Uh, and then it's a Wednesday, so we'll play our little game of buy, sell, or hold, where Aaron mails it in and lets you, the audience, do his work for him. Which, by the way, it's starting to grow on me because given the list Aaron comes up with on his own, I think you're, you, you provide better content than he does. So that, That's real no, news. I can't, I, I, I can't disagree. Yeah, it, it's better than here's Billboard's list of the best songs of the 90s that I wasn't alive for and Todd and Steve have never heard of, right? Yeah. Even though they went to every high school dance and never heard any of these songs. Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, one of the cool things about getting to work here at The Blaze, other than the fact the check's clear on payday, uh, is we get to support uh, worthwhile causes and maybe the most worthwhile cause in the history of, of humanity. Uh, is God's word, uh, particularly taking it to the uh, the far corners of the earth, and often oppressive regimes will ban the Bible. Why? Well, because it brings hope, it brings light, it it gives us what we need to throw off the oppression of our own sin, and then we have a tendency when that happens to then say, you know, I don't want to be oppressed by your sin either, tyrant. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So closed countries still exist, like communist China, Iran, uh, Somalia, where we get our congresswomen from nowadays, uh, North Korea, and others. And our friends at Back to Jerusalem have taken the word of God and put it in an electronic form about the size of a pill so they can get it, smuggle it past the gatekeepers in these closed countries, and the people can then receive it, download it, and then get the light and hope that comes from the word of God. If this is a cause you would like to support, they're asking for just a one-time gift of $15. I mean, you could do this multiple times if you like, but if one of us just, if each of us just did this once for 15 bucks, they could take literally tens of thousands of these to these closed countries. Uh, here's how you can help blazehelp.org. Just go to the website, blazehelp.org, or you can give them a call at 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by our favorite leftists. Bernie Sanders was on The Breakfast Club recently where he was asked to name one of his legislative accomplishments. Any legislation we can point to? Legislation that benefits African-Americans, but not specifically. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was asked about Venezuelan dictator Nicolas Maduro and why she won't decry his actions. Yeah, so I think that that this is absolutely a complex issue. I think it's important that that we approach this very carefully. One, I am 
Um, I'm myself, just like anyone else, is absolutely concerned with the humanitarian crisis that's happening. And I think it's important that any solution that we have centers the Venezuelan people and centers the democracy of, of Venezuelan people first. I am very concerned about U.S. interventionism. We're a long ways from Pawnee, Indiana. Now say, Viva Venezuela! Viva Venezuela! Viva Chavez! Thank you, Venezuela. Viva Chavez, say it. Ah, come on. I I don't want to viva that guy. Also on the topic of AOC, she and her chief of staff, Sakat Chakrabadi, are at the center of a complaint lodged to the Federal Elections Commission, saying the duo funneled almost a million dollars in campaign donations to private companies controlled by Mr. Chakrabadi. Asked about the alleged violations by Fox News, Ocasio-Cortez said this. There is no violation, so there's no violation. Do you think that's a sign of you taking dark money? Oh, no. Elon Omar was all but at the center of a House resolution decrying anti-Semitism this week. The draft of the resolution brought about by Speaker Pelosi and other older Democrats was supposed to be voted upon this week, but apparently there's not enough votes to pass it. Madison County, Alabama, is reportedly the first county in the United States to recognize a murdered baby as a person with legal rights. This comes after Ryan Maggers brought about legal action to sue the abortion clinic where his girlfriend had his baby's life snuffed out, even though he wanted her to have the baby. Now that Baby Roe is recognized as a person in Madison County, Majors now legally represents Baby Roe. They can further pursue and not only me, but other fathers, other future fathers can actually pursue it as well. And they're both suing the Alabama Women's Center and others involved in terminating the pregnancy. Colorado has dropped its suit against Jack Phillips after he refused to bake a cake celebrating gender transition. This was the second legal action taken against Phillips in recent years for his faith, the first of which went to the Supreme Court. Married lesbian couple are now a husband and wife after one became a man. And now a word about my alma mater, the University of Northwestern St. Paul, whose flagship student group FORCE, Fellowship of Reconciling Cultures Everywhere, has rejected Star Parker because her views on abortion are too radical. And finally, SNL does Diane Feinstein. Hello, I'm California Senator Diane Feinstein. Now recently, some of you may have seen a disastrous video of me lecturing school children about the Green New Deal. But I want to make things right, because I believe children should be heard. Senator Feinstein, we want you to support the Green New Deal. Okay, and I appreciate that, honey. Now, unfortunately, that deal is not very realistic. So you're just going to do nothing? No, no, no. So I have a but proposal But our planet that... is dying. Oh, I see what's happening. Okay, you're going to tell me how to do my job. Okay, well, I don't come into your first grade classroom and knock the Elmer's glue out of your mouth, do I? So why don't you stay in your lane? Kids like games. Yeah! Yes! Okay, this one is called Green New Deal, okay? I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to hold out my hand. Then you kids are going to give me $93 trillion. We don't have any money. Oh, you don't? Oh, then we all lose. <laughs> I need you this. Oh, my goodness. Is that a poster? 
Well, I'm convinced. Really? No. You're mean. Yeah, well, your dad wishes you were bullied more. Toughen you up a little bit. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> oh. Uh, Aaron's Montage, brought to you by our friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you are thinking of buying or selling a home this year, it can be one of the most stressful things you'll ever do in your life. Even if you have a good agent, don't don't go in there blind. Hey, can my agent deliver the goods or not? You know, Glenn Beck tried that a couple of times. If that's so frustrating, he's like, I had to start my own company, so we never do it this way again. So him and his friends started this company, Real Estate Agents I Trust. It's a network of agents nationwide that, that are different than any other referral network you're going to find. Because those networks are set up to help agents find clients like you. So they're really there uh, to help the bottom line of the agent. In this case, uh, these are agents that have volunteered to be scrutinized, to be vetted uh, in order to empower you, the customer, uh, to put the power where it belongs. So, hey, if you want to buy or sell your home at the right price, do it with the team at Real Estate Agents I Trust. Visit the website to learn more and sign up. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. So let's uh, let's dig into the montage. Um, the clip there of Bernie Sanders not able to list off his accomplishments. And then he, uh, it appears at the end he, there he tries to play the race card. But No, it's it, like uh, my questioner is black. I must say something about uh, how I've helped black people. Yes. That, well, there's not really much, but that's not... Uh, that's that's not rare because I mean that's, that's typically how we treat minorities. I mean he essentially tries to say the system is so racist that I've been that I've been in this system for 35 years. It is so racist I couldn't help black people. I, I think that's what he is that, race, is that kind of his, his. I've been in a racist system for 35 years. Work with me. Is that his answer? Yeah. Did you pick up on that too at the end that he appears to try and turn it around like, well, there's nothing there, but it's because the system is racist and it wouldn't let me. Right. Uh, I didn't pull out, uh, get the hilarity of it until you reframed it that way. Now it's just gut busting funny. There is an angle to the Ocasio-Cortez uh, campaign finance violations story. And the fact that it made the Washington Post yep. and then the way the Washington Post reported it. The Washington Post didn't go with the Republicans pounce storyline. They reported this as a straight up complaint against her. Now, why does that matter? Let's go back here a few steps, okay? So on this show, you know, our goal is is to start arguments most of the time more than win them. You know, we try to inspire and provoke critical thinking. We're more concerned about your premise than your conclusion because, you know, often if we start with the right premise, the conclusions will take care of themselves. So let's 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 get outside of our um, uh, out of our narratives and let's take a broader view. All right. Stipulated entities like The Washington Post are not biased media. They are enemy media. They represent an enemy country, a country that thinks you are you and I are the enemy. They are right from a, they they are the media of a hostile foreign country. Correct. Stipulated. Stipulated. We've, we've we've shown discussed that in the past, yes. right? Okay. Ocasio Cortez is a representative of that other America. Stipulated. Stipulated. Yes. Okay. So we 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 know in the past, therefore, because of this dynamic, institutions like the Washington Post have held those uh, that represent the other America that they are hostile to and view as an enemy with a much more skeptical, scrutinizing lens than they do their own. Stipulated? Sure. Okay. And, and yet, 
Put all those three things together. It's simple math. Did they suddenly discover credibility? No. No. Remember we asked yesterday, we talked about the Jane Meyer piece in The New Yorker and, and pointed out that really their complaint is that Fox News is now doing for Republicans what they've always done for Democrats. And, and we, I asked you, Todd, is, do you think Jane Meyer was unaware that more than two dozen members of the media went back and forth between uh, working in the media and the Obama no. administration for eight years? Think she doesn't know these things. She wishes she could do it. Yeah, too. yeah, of course. So this isn't a lack of, this isn't, this isn't a lack, an ignorance or even, it, it is a lack of self-awareness, but it's a willful lack. It, it's not like they just are, are, are unaware Okay, this isn't this isn't the emperor, you know, doesn't know he's doesn't know. No one will tell him he's naked. They know they see their own reflection. All right. This isn't that gal at the beach that you're like, honey, no. Okay, you should be in a one piece or that dude at the beach. And you're like, no, dude, you need longer shorts. Okay, and thank you for testing our circumcision lens. Thank you. Uh, Try decency. You're 70. Right. This isn't what we're talking about. Or the dude with the, you know, you've seen that ad for Roman. And the guy's dad slaps him on the back. And it's this thing where if you, it's, they do these. It's, it's one of the ED commercials that's in every sporting event. And the dude's dad slaps him on the back. And he's the classic hippie with the ponytail and the, and the six head. Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, dude, no, no. I mean, I, I agree Ben and Jerry's is great, but it's, it, but it's not a lifestyle, bro. I mean, it, you're 70 and Jerry Garcia's dead now. Uh, no, no. You're, 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 not, um, you're not Casey Jones. Stop. Okay, so there's that kind of self-awareness and then there's a willful lack of self-awareness. That's what we're talking about here. The Washington Post didn't just discover credibility. So you do the math. They're going to end her. She's getting the Fredo treatment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to end her. She's crushing them. Okay, And and the reason she's crushing them is she's too naively honest. She is just providing content. For the 2020 Team GOP consultancy yeah. and Trump just, campaign on she, a daily basis. Just to put the finer, finer point on this, it's, it's not the campaign finance violations uh, that they care about. They, no, they don't that's care. That's irrelevant. Yeah. That's immaterial to them. Uh, it Clinton is, Foundation much? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's immaterial to them. It yeah. is the fact that she is what you just said. Yeah. She's, she's, she's letting us into the hive mind. All right. She's out there earnestly, out there earnestly going door to door. Street evangelism for their cause. <laughs> All right. She's really believes in this. You know, she's the Jehovah's Witness that really believes only 144,000 people are going to be saved, even though there's four and a half million of them. And somebody's, somebody's, somebody's being lied to here, guys. All right. But she really believes it. She's in it. She's into it. Okay. And she's killing them. They're going to do the same thing with Omar. Now, the only, they have to, they have no choice. The problem they're running into is their intersectionality scale. And so they're, they're having a hard time condemning evil in a, singular, in a singular sense without virtue singling to 75 other groups. We're going to talk about that today on the Blaze Roundtable here. We'll get into more of that, how the, the, the Democratic Party is just stepping on the anti-Semitism rate daily. But the, both of these leftists represent districts that the Democrats could nominate a yellow dog and they're not going to lose. So, so you're going to see these. I, I'm going to predict now they, they both are gone in the next primary cycle. Because they're crushing the Democratic Party. And I think when, when, when they earnestly report on what's happening with Ocasio-Cortez's uh, campaign finances, without using the Republican pounce line, calls are being, in my view, that means calls are being made. Arrangements are being set forth. 
the, the, she's got to go. Do you agree or disagree? They're pulling the canoe out into, yeah. into the water. Well, it's this strange war. I agree. It's there's those TV shows that you and I have grown up uh, raising daughters watching. It's it's like Hannah Montana meets House of Cards with these g- girls. You know, <laughs> really, they're trying so hard to be grown up, right? And they have no idea the level of malevolence that they are surrounded because by. Because the, the 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 dangerous naivete of their earnestness way overshadows their personal maturity level. They are, and I think I've used this analogy before. When you, it's in one of St. Paul's letters to Timothy at the end of the New Testament. He, he, and Timothy's a young man. So it's not just about age. He's warning him about putting people that are young in the faith in places of prominence in the church because their faith isn't mature. All right. Well, you're watching the progressive versions. This is spirit of the age progressivism. This woman has been made a deacon or an elder before she's been fully catechized. And so she hasn't, their catechesis is about deception. Here's how we lie to people. Here's the taglines we use. Here's the names we call our opponents, right? She's not been fully catechized. Okay. She, it's like she came out of a, out of a, out of a, a Billy Graham crusade for progressivism, got saved so to speak, and is now just literally just telling everybody, hey, do you know, do you, do you know the state has a plan for your life? And there, there's no seasoning there. There's no catechesis has taken place there. And so she's just letting all the shibboleths out of the bag and, and she's crushing them, crushing them. They're going to have to get rid of her. And I think the post is, is, is setting the stage for this. But she's been fully catechized for, for the le- from the Lemming Manual the progressives count on girls like her, guys like her, existing by the millions. But they're supposed to stay, you know, stay in your lane. Stay in bro. your lane. They're yes. Not supposed to cross over into the leadership role. That's for the special people. Now, I would, I would argue, she's been confirmed. She has not been catechized fully, meaning they, she is in a position of leadership that she doesn't understand the skullduggery. She's not fully invested in that. So she really, she really believes that she can win an argument on the merits of, of, of this worldview by itself. Like saying stuff like, you know, we shouldn't have been aggressive post 9-11. Stuff like that, which is another thing she said recently. She really believes in the earnestness. She is Bernie Sanders coming back from the Soviet Union literally within a calendar year of its collapse, talking about its, its high-speed rail system and its youth programs while it's literally collapsing and, my, and Ronald Reagan's doing a victory lap down Main Street, Moscow. That's yeah. who this woman is. And this is, the, this is also the stuff of the French Revolution. I mean, yeah, they're going to try to end her, but what if there's a lot of folks like her who are just and that's what they're running. Well, that's what they're running into. That's a great analogy. That's what they're running into with Ilian Omar. All right. So they they originally thought we're going to we're going to we're going to we got to end this right now. We cannot be the anti-Semitic party. Uh, Trump with his Jewish family. They're the anti-Semites. So we're going to put forth this resolution and they had it ready to go. And that and they ran into their own French Revolution mob. Right. So so what, what they're going to do is they're going to have to simmer down little by little. You're going to get more leaks about her. You know, the, the stuff with her address was the first step. Now it's campaign finance and they're going to soften these candidates up. Uh, so they can take them out in the next primary cycle. That's Let my guess. Let me ask you, my, concern, my, my interest in this another way. Over, under, on the possibility you think this could lead to a total overturning of Democratic leadership in, in the House. If they don't take her out, it will, it, you, you could see that in the next couple of years. Not between now and the 2020 election. No. But okay. yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, 
the the story about your alma mater, I want to get to that next, okay? And it's not just because poor Todd has been forced to sit here and um, and comment upon uh, the uh, the human frailties of the uh, of, of of an institute of one of his native institutions. Uh, I do sort of feel like we when when one of our steps on a rake, Aaron, I do kind of feel like we have to do a make good, you know. Um, but it's it's not just that. I texted Aaron this morning. I said, is this your school, man? He said, yeah. And I said, well, you're a Jesuit now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was speaking to a, a good friend of mine about this today. And uh, they're thinking, they, they've been looking at this school as a potential destination for their child. Okay. Um, and, and their theory is that uh, being around this school over the last years, they've been looking at where their kid will go to college. Their theory is this is just good old-fashioned cowardice. Now, you could speak to that better than me, but their theory is this is good old-fashioned cowardice, that the state of Minnesota is all over them, auditing them and everything constantly. I'm going for for, for, to say that that's what this is for now with the Star Parker. And for those of you that know who Star Parker is, I mean, she's, you know, um, a very well-known uh, pro-life black conservative voice a woman who literally escaped poverty pulled herself up by her own bootstraps and uh, has been a very well-known and respected figure in the conservative movement and grassroots since long before you know i got involved in this okay i've met her a couple times always gotten along great with her i don't know her very well though but a christian institution saying that the reason they don't want her to speak there is because her abortion views are too extreme and it's because she's too pro-life Let's say that your issue with your leadership at that at your alma mater is cowardice, Aaron. Sure. Um, if that is the issue, I would I would urge your leadership to take a look at uh, Jack Phillips out there in Colorado. Yep. You know, you. This is where I find your lack of faith disturbing. God, the 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 currency of God's economy is faith. Like, like money is the currency of our economy in the in the earthly sense. The currency of God's economy is faith. It is impossible to please God without what? Faith, okay? Faith is the substance of things that hope for, the evidence of things unseen, okay? Um, you are to see through eyes of faith, not, you know, uh, just, you know, your earthly sight. Faith is, um, for it is, you know, um, it, it is by grace you have been saved through the free gift of faith lest anyone would boast. Faith is the currency of God's economy. The more faith you have, the richer you are in God's economy. The less faith you have, that's what the parable of the talents was about. Oh, I thought you were a vicious and cruel taskmaster, so I took the, I took the, the, the capital you gave me and I buried it. I didn't do anything with it. And then the other, the other, um, uh, you know, the other stewards, they out on faith said, I bet that if I double this, triple this, you'll bless me even more. And when the master returns to settle accounts, he, of course, blesses those who took what they had and did even more with it and curses the one who buried what he was given because he didn't act in faith. He acted, acted in fear, fear that he would fail, fear that uh, this would be taken away from him, fear. The fear, you know, your faith, if you're a Christian institution, you're supposed to be teaching that perfect love casts out all fear. One of the most oft used phrases in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation is a variation of fear not. 
when you see in God's economy that faith is the currency, that's why you tend to see those who suffer for his namesake get the most vindication. Now, it, sometimes it doesn't look in this life the way that you would like it to look. You know, St. Peter died his last breath upside down on a wooden cross. He didn't necessarily get the, you know, he didn't get the, you know, the, the cable news contributorship. He didn't get the subscription base. He didn't, he didn't get vindication maybe in the way that we would define it. But 2,000 years later, there is still about a billion people that gather worldwide in the tradition of his name. He got vindication another way. Jack Phillips refused to comply. And he let it be known this time, I'm not complying again, so I guess we'll see your sorry keisters at the U.S. Supreme Court next year. And the state of Colorado said, we out. 5,000 G. That's what they did. Jack was willing to suffer. He was vindicated. Kim, Kim Davis was willing to suffer. Vindicated. Hobby Lobby was willing to suffer. Vindicated. Sisters of the poor, willing to suffer. Vindicated. God loves to vindicate his people when they willingly, in faith, believing he is the authority here, not the big bad government, not Caesar. He loves to vindicate his people. If you are the leadership of this institution at Northwestern, I would urge you, get busy living or get busy dying. Either join the progressive cult or put all your chips in on suffering for the namesake. Because this sort of half-assed, let's do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, all you're doing is emboldening the enemy. They smell the cologne you're wearing and it smells like fear. You've been, you're emboldening them. They'll keep coming back. So at best, you're the nice Christian kid who was never, ever bullied and never had to learn, I got to punch this bully right in the mouth or he'll keep taking my lunch money. You're the nice Christian kid who doesn't like me. See, I had to learn how to fight bullies in school and at home. And I'm too mean. And then what will happen is you'll call people like me to help you when you're totally surrounded and beyond being saved. And I'll tell you, I can't do anything for you. It's too late for you. You let the Trojan horse in. So own it. That would be my message to your alma mater. Get busy living or get busy dying. If the Lord, if, if the Lord is... Lord, serve him. If Baal is Lord, serve him. Choose ye this day, one or the other. So the state of Minnesota and its willingness and ability to audit you is God, or God is God. But this sort of ethereal in-betweenness you're trying to find that accommodates everybody, all it's doing is it's making it, it's giving the enemy more of an advantage, more of an advantage, so that when he finally presses his advantage and puts the boot to the neck, you will be at a disadvantage and have no way out. Say hello to the Boy Scouts. Aaron, your thoughts? Yeah, that's very well said. And having gone here, and I, you know, I know Al Kirton, uh, he's the president of, of Northwestern, has, by the way, one of the just amazing gifts for remembering people's names. So I say that I know him because you know, he remembers my name for some reason. Um, but having been around there, uh, there is a, a lot in the administration. There are a ton of good people there. I never met a professor, uh, for the most part, at Northwestern during the, my time there that was not solid. Um, their their Bible and philosophy department kind of 
run themselves, at least as far as I know, still, um, and are very, very conservative. Uh, however, there is it, there was a push when I was going there, I could tell, um, to adopt this racial reconciliation um, kind of intersectionality, Mark, cultural Marxist, um, cloaked as racial uh, reconciliation thing, which is what I mentioned in the story, the force student group. Um, one of the only student groups, I think, other than student government that actually has their own permanent uh, facility uh, or, you know, room, uh, large office on on campus. Um, so I think this has a lot to do with that. Curtin said uh, in uh, in the story from uh, YAF, uh, didn't want to be divisive by bringing this person to campus. I would encourage him. Remember, the next time you're on, I think it's the third or fourth floor of Naz, and you walk by the Udarian Lounge, remember remember those guys, remember those five pilots who went and they feared nothing as they sacrificed their lives um, for, for the gospel. Uh, remember that sacrifice, maybe, before you start to uh, worry about and hand-wring about being divisive because somebody's views about abortion are too controversial or too radical there is there is a far cry between that and some of the uh some of the things again that one of the one of the biggest rooms on your campus the guy that uh, is named that it's named after there's a far cry between that and what this is remember that that's what i would that's what i would say to him do not think i came to bring peace but a sword yes You're an institution of divisiveness. The cross is a divider. So only thing you're dividing yourself from is your calling. Back here live and on demand on The Blaze. Homeowners beware a data breach. Just exposed 24 million of us to home title fraud. That's a crime that could cost us the equity in our home, maybe even the home itself. If you have a mortgage, a refi, or a HELOC through a major bank, this breach may put you at risk of losing the most important investment most Americans will ever have because now thieves may have the last four digits of a social security number, a checking account number, uh, middle initial, maiden name, the kinds of things you use to identify your you when you're doing business online. And a lot of our home titles now are online as opposed to, you know, at halls of records because it's just cheaper to put all that stuff digital nowadays. So they go online, identify as you, forge a signature, and now maybe they stick you with the bills while they take out loans on your home equity. Don't let that happen to you, especially when you can prevent it for just pennies a day with our friends at home Title Lock. And right now you can find out for free whether your home's title has already been targeted, maybe even scammed. Normally, this is a $100 value. It's free to our audience today at The Blaze. If you go to HomeTitleLock.com, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Let's bring in our good friend, Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review. He takes us inside politics each day here on the, or each week here on The Blaze. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Hey, great to be with you. So busy. I didn't have time to eat today. Well, I know that you are all over what's happening at the border, and even our friends representing the other America at the New York Times are reporting 
that there is a record surge in the last month uh, at the border of migrants. Give us the numbers. I know you're all over this because it, I don't know about you. It certainly sounds like a, what you would classify as a national emergency to me, but you're on it. So, Daniel, tell us what the real story is. Well, f- first of all, Steve, you could probably tape or or record the shows we did a couple weeks ago. Remember that when I said the good news is we're right. We're going to be proven right. It's evident. Isn't it a shame we don't have a live football to throw a live CR budget bill where the deadline would be? Imagine a deadline for a budget within a week of this news. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine what Trump could accomplish Rather than now, it's all over for the remainder of the year, and all we have is Cohen and Mueller, and that's his fault. So I just, you know, it, I, I'd be remiss not to remind people of exactly why we said it was a terrible strategy to sign that bill, notwithstanding the policy problems in that bill. Um, what is going on? What's going on is that I've noted for quite some time, it's been evident that the last six to 12 months, particularly the last four to six months, that qualitatively, this is the worst border flow ever in terms of the security problems, the ability to get in drugs and gangs, the um, resources being diverted, the diseases, all that stuff. But now we have measures that quantitatively speaking, it is among the worst periods quantity wise. And there's a case to be made that this is the worst we have in quantity ever. Mm. Ever, ever, ever. Um, obviously, top line number is that 76,000 were apprehended in February. It's 10% shorter than January, three days shorter. Um, it's a cold month. It was record cold at the border, most parts of the border. California, Arizona, New Mexico, there was, there was snow there. Um, and still the numbers are this high. That's an annualized pace of 914,000. And then, again, it's the trajectory because all the factors that are driving it are only getting worse and worse and worse. I'm going to have a piece out at Conservative Review. I'm literally getting this up now, 12 insane facts about it. So I don't want to throw too much data. It's easier to just read that. But here's the punchline. Here's the punchline. The media is going to talk about, well, there were years where we had 1.3, even 1.5 million apprehensions. Guess what? You know what else we had? 1.4 1.4 million returns immediately. Meaning catch and release. Yeah. Well, the opposite of catch and release, meaning we return them. We turn them back. In other words, we used to have a sovereign country. So we just didn't – the problem was it was a resource problem. We just didn't have enough border patrol, so they keep coming in. But when we'd catch them, we'd get them the heck out of here. Yes, yeah, that's were, what I mean. We, we do catch yeah. and release now instead of catch and yeah. return. That's what we do now. So so, so um, there's two consequences – of that fact. So 93% were Mexicans uh, back then. Now, um, roughly 70% are Central Americans, mainly family units and, and teenage uh, juveniles. So these people stay here. There's two consequences to that change, both on quantity at the front end and the back end. So let's say we had 1.3 million apprehensions in 2003. And this year we're having an annualized pace of 900,000. The reality – now that's an insane number and it's the highest in in like 12 years. But it's worse than that because most of the people who came came multiple times. They weren't unique individuals. So in other words, they would often catch the same dude in the same shift, much less the same week, much less the same year. 
Uh, so there's no exact number to put on that, but it's very likely that whereas now we have 900,000 apprehensions, there are pretty much 900,000 people. Back then, it might have only been half that. That's number one. But number two, on the net, the net migration, what is the net result, the net cost to the American people in terms of language, culture, public charge, criminal activity, what we have to deal with it? These people back then, again, were deported. They, were, they, were, they weren't even deported. They were returned immediately. Now, every single one of them is being released in, in less than 10 days and is de facto permanently here and never deported. And what is never spoken about is the forgotten American citizen who has to deal with it. Hmm. So connect some dots here then. How does this play along with um, the fact now with, with Rand Paul's announcement that uh, he's not going to support the president's emergency declaration. And my guess is Rand Paul figured Lamar Alexander already was a no to get to 51 anyway. So he, it was kind of safe for him to go out there and add his name. So it, I don't think it will be 51. I, I think it'll be, you'll see a few other Republicans probably say no. Uh, the president will then, of course, uh, I'm guessing, uh, is, would this be his first veto? If he vetoes their rejection of his resolution, yep. the first veto of his presidency, and we're going into year three. That's amazing to me. Okay, but... Uh, this would be his first veto. We now go to the courts. And I guess what I'm trying to figure out for our audience, Daniel, is what's what's the remedy for for this going on while this is being adjudicated when we just put a budget in place that said we're going to cut the amount of detention beds by nearly 20%. We're going to keep much of the catch and release uh, methodology of the Obama era. So while, while this is being in the theoretical realm adjudicated, what's this mean for the average American citizen? What, what remedy is, is taking place? It means that in March, the numbers will likely be 100,000 and then 130,000 the next month. Um, it will keep going up. It means we, uh, we're we screwed. Because uh, you mentioned the word court. It Every single thing going on in the immigration realm, and really every other issue, all gets back to the all-powerful courts. We have countenanced the notion in this country, and the administration has done it in spades, that any utterance of any insidiously forum shop district judge is the law of the land, even if it's literally creating – I mean it is unimaginable to describe the harm of this judge. Let me just say the, there are several judges, but Judge Sabra in July is the guy that said not only could a kid come here, not only could you come here with the kid and the kid's release. That was the baseline increase since 2014. But he said then the parents must be released with the kid. That's what broke the dam. Mm -hmm. um, and what I have here, I'm just looking here, the numbers. And I'm trying to get you guys a good, a good figure here. While you're doing that, let me make sure our audience understands the fullness of what you're explaining. That even if you get a federal judge somewhere... That, you know, on, you know, somewhere that would hire a guy like our buddy Josh Hammer to be his clerk. All right. Yep. That rules on the right side of the law. When they find another federal judge that makes up his own law, 
then whatever the latest thing is, we ha- we just abide by that precedent as binding. Even when there's a conflict somewhere else, we literally just let them do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it, period. That, that I think our audience yeah. needs to understand the fullness of what you're saying here, okay? Yeah, in other words, in other words, here, here's the thing. It would be bad enough to say that the Supreme Court has power over the political branches of government over sovereignty and immigration, something the Supreme Court themselves has said for 150 years. This is my book um, that it, like, look, that's something we can't touch. You can't you can never force a nation to let people in. Mm-hmm. Right. That is that is something that was untouchable. Um, Robert Jackson, the the champion of due process, the dissenter in Korematsu, uh, he said there is no right to to come here against the national will or, or remain in the country against the national will. So that would be bad enough. But we have these rulings that the Supreme Court, we know if they would actually take it up, wouldn't rule that way. We know many other judges, as you mentioned, wouldn't rule that way. And indeed, Judge Hannon, it wasn't the same case, but it was referenced this florist thing. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't compel this. And in fact, this is criminal activity. What you're doing, you're completing the criminal activity of the of the drug cartels. He said this in 2013. Um because of that one judge Sabra, a Bush appointee, by the way, in San Diego. In July, over the last seven months, we've had as many family units apprehended as over the prior 23 months. And built into that was already the existing increased flow mm. of family units. All the power of one judge. <clears throat> so we're sitting in and fighting over oh, um, AOC and Bernie Sanders and, oh, look, they have no power. They can't do anything. But we are told that one district judge has more power than than 535 members and the president put together, and the administration has agreed to that, and they won't even question it. They're like, we need to change the law. Well, what if the law says the opposite and it's a freaking judge who's doing it? That is the problem. Mm-hmm. What is it going to take? Well, the current law is that if an MS-13 member is smuggling uh, human trafficking uh, minors and claims, hey, I'm their parent, that we have to you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, right? That's the current law, right? Well, but that's step two. You know, you're right, but it's built on step one that the kid to begin with is treated like a UAC. Mm-hmm. That's not true. They're self-trafficked and they have family here. See, by definition, if you have a guardian here, you're not eligible. It's straight up in statute. But, um, you know, who gets involved in the EPA? Liberals. There's no conservative environmental groups. Same thing with USCIS and a lot of these immigration agencies that deal with asylum claims inside the federal government. They're a bunch of leftists. They're part of the same people suing in the court. So for years, they've agreed to this. The Trump administration refused to change it. They never followed Jeff Sessions' guidance, even before the judge got involved. Um, This is the problem. There's nothing worth talking about. Think about this. Trump is shooting his wad. The entire political capital over this emergency on what? $2.6 billion of gradually constructed partial fencing. This has nothing to do with that. Even if even if he had full political backing, 100 senators voted for, for it. It doesn't matter. It's the policies. It's worth saying to the world that – Anyone could come and we have to let you in. It is not true. This case law on it. There's every I've written this stuff up, but the president and the administration will not even assert it. So my my thing to people is this. If you are going to agree to the premise of the lowest common denominator of one way street, one directional ratchet of lower court judicial supremacy, 
we're done. That <laughs> there's nothing. Yeah, like meaning Daniel, a federal judge can say, "I don't like that Supreme Court opinion. I'm gonna do my own thing." And we don't. We just we we act like he has standing and not the U.S. Supreme Court. That's what you mean by lower court judicial supremacy, where they just do whatever they want. They don't even they they don't even care what the what the highest appellate court in the country says. They're just gonna do whatever they want anyway. As long as they're being more progressive, meaning if, right. if it's a bad and, and, well, Of course, it's always in the direction of the left. Yes, always. Always the direction of the left. Let me give your audience just one quick uh, uh, tidbit on this that you probably didn't hear anywhere else. As you well know, a bunch of lower courts said to Trump he's no longer commander-in-chief, and he has to let trainees in the military and then pay for castration operations. So um, we agreed to the notion that, yeah, yeah you're right. We got to do that. But they did appeal to the Supreme Court, and finally after – 15 months of this, the Supreme Court took off the injunction and said this is nonsense. So you think that that's the end of it, right? Right. Well, guess what? One of the district judges is refusing to take off his injunction. And rather than the administration, you know, telling them to pound salt, which he should have done, even without the They're Supreme in his court penalty. arguing against his injunction. The Supreme Court is already voided. Yeah. yeah. So instead, here's what they're doing. I have the document in front of me. They're appealing to the Fourth Circuit to beg them to take off the district court's injunction after the Supreme Court already blew it up. I mean, that's why it just doesn't matter. Nothing we talk about, Steve, matters until this is dealt with. So we got a few minutes left here. I put you in the White House one-on-one with the president in the Oval Office. You're going to tell him what? what? What could he practically do right now, right now? What would you tell him? I would tell him to give a, a televised address now that he has this data. I mean, even the New York Times and Washington Post are saying, quote, the numbers are bonkers. It's at a breaking point. OK, I mean, he's got endless fodder and get up and say, I was proven right. And then say like this. No, e- either we're a nation or we're not. Either we have a border or we do or we do not. I would have his legal people put together to him some of the best quotes from case law, from statute, to show how he has the power to shut off all border migration. He, they're saying what you and I are saying, but then their actions don't match mm-hmm. their rhetoric. If this is really true, which now it's abundantly clear, we need a timeout. Article 2 of the Constitution, 212F of the INA, 215A of the INA, gives the president unquestionable authority, which the Supreme Court said in the sale case, even overrides asylum, even if you believe asylum is mandatory, which it's not, but even if you would, shut off all border migration until, to quote Trump, we know what the hell is going on here. That directly speaks to it. Do not let them in. And we spend $100 million on a media campaign in Central America. Obama kind of did this to shut off the 2014 flow and say, it's over. You can't come. Um, You will be prosecuted and you will not be, or you will not be let in. Mm -hmm. That is it. It's not about the freaking $2 billion. Not, this is about policy, not pennies. Well, what you're defining is there's the, it depends on what your priority is. Is your priority the ability to say, hey, we built the wall, like I said, even though we've we've changed the conditions of this promise from Mexico paying for it to, I mean, that whole argument, that, that's been changed. Is your priority the, you know, uh, your, your political brand or, uh, you know, public policy? That's really what we're, and then, you know, that, that's really what we're debating, right? What's your priority? Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's exactly the point, Steve. Daniel. Yeah. 
I'd say it's always good to see you, but that'd be kind of a lie. Thank you for joining us here today on The Blaze, man. Take care. Uh, Thoughts, gentlemen, on what we just heard from Daniel Horowitz? This conversation is a perfect illustration of why you always say uh, we're not a nation of laws, we're a nation of political wills. Mm -hmm. You know that uh, story we had in the montage about the uh, judge or the court in uh, Madison County, Alabama? Um, this afternoon, uh, some uh, God hater in Madison, Wisconsin, at the Freedom from Religion Foundation—I think that's where it's based out. We've of, got lots of those there. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, is could walk into some court in Wisconsin and say, "No, uh, that person in Alabama can't do that." And conceivably, uh, conceivably, some some district judge in Wisconsin or some other part of the country could say, "Yeah, you can't do that. It's precedent now." Why isn't that courts that lower courts ruling in in Alabama? Why isn't that precedent now? No, it's whatever whatever the leftist judges want them to yep. do. And they're all taught a court determines its own jurisdiction and yep. they get whatever they want and whatever they say we have to abide by as the new law. And if you attempt to do something about it, you are the lawless one. Okay, that, that's those are the ground rules. Furthermore, uh, I had no idea. Well, two months ago. I don't even know if Daniel did because I've never seen Daniel this hot and bothered about the stories written by the New York Times about how the numbers coming over. At that time, I said, I believe the president has the authority to declare an emergency declaration, but I didn't know if in this specific case it rose to that level. I'm utterly certain now and any virtue signaling you get from those on the right who are talking about what a precedent this might set. I, I, how are you squaring this circle? Because this it, it is an, it's a traitorous act. As an executive, not to act on this and stop it. Also a traitorous act is is whoever politically advised the president to essentially take this fight off the table in the public venue for the next nine months by signing that sham budget. That's an act. That's a traitorous act as well. And we are back with Hour 2, live and on demand, right here on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. They are Todd and Aaron. And you are you. 888-933-93. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Coming up in a matter of moments, uh, today's Truth Bomb. We'll also play a little game called Buy, Sell, or Hold. But, Aaron, it is time for your intermittent humble brag yeah that's right uh, of course we've been talking about um you know it's it's I, I was just talking out in the hall with uh glenn here at the family leader where we're uh located and uh talking about how nice it is that next week can you believe this steve next week it's supposed to be upwards of 40 degrees upwards of 40 whole degrees guys but before then, uh, we've got another maybe couple of uh, blizzards to get through. And while you're inside, if you're in the upper Midwest or if you just want uh, to take your firearm training to the next level, you can do so with iTarget Pro. Of course, iTarget Pro is a laser target uh, training system for you and your gun. It uh, uses your smartphone. Their proprietary app tracks a caliber-specific laser which fits right inside your firearm and will detect exactly where your shots are landing using your smartphone's camera. iTarget Pro is completely safe, comes with your caliber-specific laser, target system, and instructions so you can begin training immediately. So you can take your tax return if you're getting one and go to the letter itargetpro.com, check out the video, choose your caliber, 
and download the app so you're ready when the system arrives. This month, you can get 10% off plus free shipping with the offer code STEVE when you purchase the iTarget Pro system. Save money, save time, and take your skill to the next level safely and effectively. That's the letter I, Target Pro. Dot com offer code Steve itargetpro.com offer code Steve and Steve I just want to let you know you may, might have given me a heads up that we were going to do the iTarget Pro right there but I was completely blindsided I I think I handled that really well Oh you you are video. you are ready to humble brag I had on to, command I had to you yes. know I had to get the video ready to go I had to get kind of the talking points up and ready to go and talk at the same time say coherent things Man, I'm proud of myself. Yeah, you maybe have an employable future uh, in this line of work. You know, I'm thinking about the weather since you just brought it up. Yeah. The latest forecast I saw was maybe one to three inches tomorrow. Yeah. And then above freezing for like the next week and and a couple times into the 40s. And I was going to let that depress me, but then I got to thinking, you know, because you know me, man, I, I will find a way to win, to win. I refuse to accept the Kobayashi Maru. I, I, there is always a win. Always a win. And I got to thinking, you know, we got like three and a half feet of snow out there. And you're like flooding. I'm paranoid about basement flooding and things of that nature. talked about that like four times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I could make a strong argument that that's actually the ideal. Slow melt. The ideal early spring weather forecast. Yes. Where it gets to 38, 40 degrees during the day. A little bit goes down. It goes to freezing at night. Okay. And we just do this. We take these things down gradually rather than you get, you have four feet of snow out there and then it's like 55, 62, three days in a row. And you're like, see, where is all that water going to go? See, right. What we can't have happen though, or we might happen. We can't have rain melt the sh- rain, melt the snow. It can't be like 38 degrees and raining like three inches and that have it. Cause rain, what rain is, is water. So it's, above freezing so it'll melt the snow right and then you've got three inches of rain on top of three feet of snow yeah but uh, no 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 what cannot happen is my is my man cave yes. flooding during march madness that's what cannot happen <laughs> i was actually okay. gonna say that thing i think there's we won't have a show we won't have jobs no, it'll all be no. over I, I will be like i'll be like uh, kramer in the master of my domain uh, episode of seinfeld i will come in i'm out okay i'm out that's what cannot happen is the man cave with standing water during March Madness. That's that's an ixnay. That will ruin a lot of people's weekends, including both of yours. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. Hey, okay. That cannot hey, happen. No. You don't have two TVs in your man cave, though, do you? No. When you only have when, – when you have a 70-inch TV, Aaron, you only need one, brother. Yeah. See, I've got – See what I, I did there? My, <laughs> it's, it can't – See, we finally arrived. If your basement floods. We're just measuring now. Yes. Your bla- Ladies, was, it always comes was, to this. You just need to know that. All right, go ahead, Darren. I'm sorry. Well, you know, I know that there's a huge difference between 70 and 65. <laughs> I'm not going to go down I was going to invite you over. <laughs> oh, he was you trying to be that. nice, and I just, I just <laughs> knifed him. <laughs> I kicked him in and the said, shins, and, and he sat there trying to be nice to I, me. I hope you stay in your man cave and you breathe all that mold in. <laughs> Tomorrow on a special Michael Scott edition of That's What She Said. Yes, black mold. Should you vaccinate? That's tomorrow, right here on The Blaze. Yes. All right, let's get to it. Uh, today's Truth Bomb brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs. Confronting the lies, conservatives believe our own demise. you got to see this picture on our Facebook wall. It is a, it's a local bookstore 
that has a stand, of a, a display stand of my book next to Kamala Harris's together in the front in the front uh, area there when you walk in. Uh, and there's a someone sent me a photo and the display is I don't know what bookstore it is, but they they sent me a picture of a display and it's Kamala Harris next to Truth Bombs. Okay, I can't believe they have a stack of your books displayed in any bookstore. In well, this that's amazing. That that is amazing. Yes. Uh, so if you want to see that picture, we're we're inviting you to caption that uh, on our Facebook wall. There it is, right there. Yes, that is some interesting product placement. My friends. Can you imagine how many complaints they've gotten at that bookstore? But like, what? What are you doing? Why is this guy here? Well, the good notice you, you that know it's twenty percent off. Yeah, you know. Well, here's what you can also notice: you don't know how to pronounce one guy's last name, and you don't know how to pronounce the other chick's first name. So it's a pretty good match when you look at it that way. Dice, douche, dice, dice. What is it? And then Kamala, Kamala, Kamala. What is it? Right. So maybe, maybe that's why they did it. Right. Okay. Strange name section. Strain, the strange name section. That, that's where they put it. All right. So if you want to pick up your copy of Truth Bombs, you can go to this bookstore and look for odd product placement, or you can just go to Amazon.com right now uh, and buy your copy uh, and, and figure out how to confront the lies, conservatives believed our own demise, endorsed by Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Dan Bongino, vis-a-vis people much more popular than me that you like more. All right. So don't take my word for it. Take theirs. And if you don't mind adding a five star review on our Amazon page, uh, the Truth Bombs Amazon page, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Today's Truth Bomb with no lead in. I'm not going to offer any um, any prologue whatsoever. Uh, And you have no idea what's coming on purpose. Correct. Correct. Aaron, you did not let the cat out of the bag, right? No, not out of the bag. All right. So. Today's truth bomb is this video. So I was stirring my Jack Daniels into my cornflakes this morning when I had a bit of an epiphany. You see, I've been wrong about Captain Marvel this whole time. But drinker, you charismatic stallion, I hear you ask. How could you, a dedicated connoisseur of cinema, be wrong about something as clear-cut as this? Well, I'll tell you. The problem is that I've been looking at this movie as a cheap, bland, soulless and divisive attempt to cash in on feminism and contemporary identity politics, featuring an unpopular comic book character that's been repeatedly cancelled and relaunched with increasing futility, and played by an actress that possesses all the charm, charisma and likability of my underwear after a two-hour gym session. But I was wrong to look at it that way. You see, this movie is important. It's important in a way that no other film in cinema has ever been. It's a movie that features a strong, powerful, independent female character, and that's something we've never really had before, so we need to get behind this film, guys. This made me realise that the reason I didn't see this was because of my own toxic masculinity and my internalised misogyny. The problems really began with my parents instilling the wrong values in me as a kid, and it's hardly surprising when you consider the kind of movies they had to watch when they were younger. I mean, look at this! The women back then were portrayed as weak, helpless damsels in distress. They weren't capable of looking after themselves, and they couldn't hold their own against their male counterparts. Flash forward to the 1980s and the 90s when I was a little kid, and you can clearly see that things aren't getting any better. These women are just helpless, over-sexualized objects for men to fight over and possess. They don't have any agency or abilities of their own. They can't fight. They can't protect themselves. They simply crumble whenever a man's around and they become weak, timid little creatures that need to be constantly saved and protected. 
And don't even mention the James Bond movies around that time. God, the women there were just on screen to look good. They certainly never represented any kind of threat to Bond. And it's not like women on TV shows ever had any meaningful conflicts or relationships with each other either. Their whole worlds were just centred around men. It's like they had nothing else going on in their lives, no aspirations or rivalries, just wishing they could find a good man to protect and look after them. Sci-fi was no better. The women there were equally helpless, weak, timid and entirely lacking in agency. They were never portrayed as smart, capable, resourceful or dangerous in their own right. I mean, really, the actresses playing them must have felt ashamed of what they were being forced to do. Look at this here. What a humiliation. There's not even a hint of skill or strength on display. And it's not like any of these women could ever hope to be cool. That's just insane. Even when you get into the 2000s, there wasn't much improvement. I mean, look at how weak and frightened this woman is. How she can't possibly protect herself. And she's just getting completely owned by all these men. It's awful, really. She's certainly never going to be able to take on her mentor, the man who represents male authority and patriarchy and toxic masculinity. Those things she'll just never overcome. Female supporting characters? No way, they were never allowed to do anything useful. And it's not like we ever had black superheroes either back then. That really was an awful time. So you see, this is why Captain Marvel's such an important movie. We need to get behind this film and give girls and women someone they can look up to. But also, we need to teach men that women can be strong and cool and likeable as well. So I, for one, can't wait for Captain Marvel to come out. And I'll be there on opening night to bask in all of its glory. Now, if you can't appreciate the sarcasm in this video, then you almost certainly should go and see this movie because I suspect you're the target audience. Now, I'm not advocating for a boycott of Captain Marvel because I think things like that are childish and petty. But on a completely unrelated note, I've heard it's pretty easy to buy tickets for a different movie and screen hop your way into this instead. Now, you're send me that link, Aaron. You want it? Oh, yeah. Um, I'd never heard of the guy before. It showed up on a rec... I don't know. It, just to show, Google... Google is the mark of the beast. I log on to YouTube last night and it has the section recommended videos for you. That video was number one oh, in my slot. Oh, they know you. Yes. Your soulmates. The nose knows. I've never heard of the guy or anything. So I'm like, uh, I, I'm going to watch. And it took me about 10 seconds. And when we see, so, so here's the thing. You remember the old experiment from the first televised presidential debate, 1960. Yeah, Nixon Kennedy, Kennedy right? Yeah. Who the people who watched on TV thought what? The people on TV thought that uh, Kennedy won. Right. And the people who listened to it on the radio who didn't see uh, Nixon's sweaty brow Nixon, or yeah. anything of that nature, what did they think? That Nixon won. That Nixon won. All right. If you were listening to us today on Blaze Radio, or if you're listening later on today or some other later point on a podcast, until at the end when he lets the cap, cat out of the bag that it is sarcasm, it's satire. You're listening to this and you're thinking, what? What got into the days? Yes. <laughs> because if you're watching this on video, you got where, where I figured out where it was satires when he began showing. See, what you don't see if you're listening to just the audio, when he talks about these women, these women don't have, I can't, he's got a much cooler voice than me. These women don't have agency. Yeah. They're, they're, he's showing you, print, going back to the 70s, Princess Leia. All right. He's going into the 80s with uh, Ridley uh, or what's her face in uh, Ridley Scott's Alien. Um, yeah. 
Sigourney Weaver's, Sigourney Weaver's character, character. character, Linda Hamilton from the Terminator movies. Uh, when he talks about, we, and we never had any black superheroes in, in when I was growing up, and he goes to Wesley Snipes as, uh, as Blade, all right? That you don't understand what he's doing here if you're just listening to this audio. And that's another reason why I didn't give any preemptive commentary at all, is the words by themselves are self-parody. Yes. With the accompanying video, this becomes potent parody. This is one of the greatest deconstructions of political correctness and progressivism. This, this, this short of the Babylon Bee, I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. And there's no objectionable content, no swear words, no nothing. He, this is, I don't know who this guy is. But this is, in my view, that's intellectual brilliance right there. Oh, and, and that's why, because it was clean, I, I'm going to show this. My daughter's ages 15 through 8, they're going to sit down and they're going to watch this. They're going to have a good laugh because this, this is solid food. This is an education. You know, to, the constant level of propaganda that drips, and as hard as I try and Steve tries as a father, it, it comes out, it's, you need to screech on the brakes at times like this and put examples like this in front of the eyes to just show them no you are you are strong the your mother is strong the women before them are strong the the, the fact that we are now uh like the the progressive plan is to convince educating you is to convince you that you're a stepford wife fight that with every bit of your being take up your sword and act like all these women in here blasters are, no they're not on stun we're taking people out you know, um, I have a theory about Captain Marvel. And I, I told you before that I did not think the movie was going to be a feminist polemic. And the tell for me was how much of this we're seeing in advance. You know, I don't want white men showing up Brie Larson at my, uh, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a cap on the amount of white men that, that show up at my, uh, at, at, you know, at my, publicity confab uh this movie is not for white males i don't care what they think see to me the more the more boisterous you are about that right it it's a little bit like do you have to keep telling me you're not gay you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. you know i mean okay by the way i didn't ask nine times and yet you told me 10 you're not so uh, why do you describe yourself as alpha male in your twitter yes bio? yeah it, it's the classic clip of ted haggard the old head of the national association of evangelicals and tom brokaw went out and did a huge feature on him a few years ago and he literally is looks into the camera and says what are you doing at night and then like a week later we find out he is literally doing lines of coke off a of gay hooker's hooker's ass literally 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 doing that it's not a joke line he's like literally doing it right um the fact that you are doing this level of ham-fisted, over-the-top, you know, over-the-top levels, you know, um, you have uh, Nick Fury or Samuel Jackson, Trump, as a, uh, uh, what, what, what's my buddy Spike Lee not said yet? Uh, 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 he's a plantation owner. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Dude, you're going to be doing Capital One commercials for millions of dollars in every commercial break during March Madness here in a couple of weeks. And you were you were you were doing that before Donald Trump put you on the plantation. You're doing that while he's putting you on the plantation. You'll be doing it after he's put you on the plantation. I want to be on your plantation. Okay, this level of over the top over the top virtue signaling was a clear signal to me the movie's not going to be anything like what you fear it's going to be.
And remember, I even told you off the air, they're going to take minor characters. And fa- the, the, after Avengers is done, they're going to take minor characters. And they're going to put them out there as their, as their, as their shibboleths. So that way, when, when it fails, they can blame it on America just doesn't want to see those characters. Lo and be- remember, I told you that last week. Sure. Like, just like yesterday, this story comes out. Marvel looking for a gay lead for the Eternals. Now, I am a comic book nerd. I have no idea who the Eternals are. I, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's. I also had an epiphany between the last time we talked about this and now, and it's that, and it speaks to what you're saying. Did these actors? Did they realize that? And who? Who's the writers and the producers? The the, the core. What's their name? For the Mar- Captain Marvel Cap- movie, the whole no, the whole series like of Marvel Kevin Feige, Kevin, the Feige's, yeah, you know, the the ones who hire him and cast him. I, all these actors had to have thought sooner or later this was going to break, and they were going to go down the progressive road, and they did. I, are they thinking? Did we all just get trolled by the Feige's? Like, are we? We're we're being used in a tool of Americana here. See, because this is why I think if you read a lot of the reviews, and this is again where. Sometimes I think, and, and I could be proven wrong about this. I'll go see the movie this weekend and I may be proven wrong. Okay. But um, I think sometimes we go for the low lying fruit troll because we, we'd almost prefer on the right to have our straw men confirmed because sometimes the truth's not good enough for us either. We prefer sometimes we prefer our truth. So I'm, I'm seeing a ton of, of, of and even some friends of mine and people I respect on the right. And they may prove to be right. And if they are, I'll come in on Monday after I've seen the movie and say, they were right. I was wrong. Okay. But I'm wondering, you know, this whole idea, because when you do read the reviews, it is certified fresh at Rotten Tomatoes. And I've read several reviews. And most of the reviews are, it's okay. And uh, it, when you read the review, it doesn't read like a positive review. So I, I understand why there's this notion out there that the that progressive movie reviewers feel as if they've got to like this movie because of its female lead, okay? And that because isn't that kind of the line of thought that's yeah, conservative sure. media right now? I wonder. I wonder when we go see the movie if it's the other way around. Do you remember what my big criticism of Black Panther was? Do you remember what it was? Yep, it didn't go far enough. Yeah, it wasn't political enough. The highlight of the film is the Malcolm X Martin Luther King dynamic. That's fascinating. And and those two actors are great. And their chemistry opposite each other, foil versus foil, is right on the money. I thought they should have gone further down that road. There was much remember the trailer came out, we got that that urban vibe and the cool music and stuff. Right. And like when you go see the movie, like none of that's actually in there. No, right. That's true. And it and it it really is just another boilerplate Marvel film with just more black people. Really, right? That's one of the reasons I love Thor Ragnarok is Thor Ragnarok sticks to the Marvel formula, but it the the cake is the same, but it's got some it's got the zany frosting. That's what I love about it. All right. That it its tone is different than a lot of the other films. And I get why Marvel if you're Marvel, why would you break a formula that has worked over and over again? The first Ant-Man movie does this really well too. It kind of it it sticks to the boilerplate formula, but it adds it puts it puts a spicier mustard on the hot dog, if you know what I'm trying to sure. say. And it works for it. All right. That I think Black Panther sold itself short. I think it didn't trust its audience enough. That I think it 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 was it it cut it too short the back and forth between between Kilgore and and T'Challa. I wanted to see more of that. Cuz that cuz really those two represented debate that has been raging in our culture and and on our and our television screens mo- all my life, a variation of it. You know? I I would have liked that's what I love about the first season of Luke Cage on Netflix. 
is when what's his name again? I can never say it right. The guy Mah what's Mahershala it? Ali. Yeah, yeah, when he's I, when he's the villain in the first half. Oh, I didn't of even Luke know Cage, he was in that. Yeah. He, when he's the villain, he's Cottonmouth before the new villain replaces him. I'd urge you if you've not watched it, go watch the first season of Luke Cage when he's the villain. And yes, it's it's from a different political bent than we are. It's also some of the best racial, socioeconomic commentary I've ever seen produced from popular culture. It's a fascinating watch. And then what happens when they when they kill him off, spoiler alert, and they bring in the other villain, it just kind of becomes comic booky and all that goes away. See, I'm not against viewpoints and even consuming viewpoints I don't agree with. But treat me like an adult. Don't condescend me. Don't propagandize me. If you really have a viewpoint you want me to consider, bring it and bring it well. And I'll look at it. I'm, I, you're likely not going to change my mind, but I will at least listen to you. And that's what I think the first half of season one of Luke Cage does really well. And that's what I thought Black Panther didn't do. And I expected it to. See, I think we're going to learn when we go see this movie this weekend that that's why they're disappointed. That all Marvel did was another Marvel movie. Yeah. It just has a woman instead of a dude and they're in outer, and they're in outer space more. And they thought, right. they thought that's, Marvel was going to crap on its, in its own yard. That that's what they hoped that they were going to do. And in the end, all Marvel did was Thor, Captain America. They just did it with a chick fighter pilot. And that she's not a lesbian and her, it's not an interracial lesbian relationship because it's not in the comics either, by the way. My guess is when we go see the movie, we're going to think that was another fun popcorn Marvel movie. Really enjoyed it. Not a character I didn't really know much about. And they thought for sure that this was going to be the virtue signal transition. And I use that word on purpose. If you see what I did there? And they're not. And, and I'm further confident of that with Marvel releasing the news that they're going to take essentially an L-list set of characters. They're about to acquire the X-Men Fantastic Four and all their Fox properties. And they're going to do a movie on the Eternals. And one of the Eternals is going to be gay. Hey, Golden Compass much. All right. And, 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 and they'll throw it out there and it won't have any name cachet. Uh, and it won't be as big of a hit as a lot of these others are. And Marvel will say, well, it's just because, and that, and, and you and I, that's, we'll get the blame. We didn't want to see a gay character when it really, it's like, who the hell's the Eternals? Okay. You know, um, I think that's, we're going to learn when we go see this movie. My prediction is it's just another really good Marvel popcorn movie. I'll take it. And that's, and that's why the reviewers are disappointed. They really believed Brie Larson was going to, was going to use her Oscar winning clout to turn this into their women's studies class, Aaron. And it's not going to do that. That's what I think. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, Marvel's, uh, maybe, do you think it'll be, car uh, it'll go as far as Marvel's, uh, Wonder Woman, or is it just going to be. Boiler. I guess you've already said that. Just boilerplate, yep. um, boilerplate Marvel movie. It will be interesting to see. I there are. I have a. I have a. I'm. I'm not as big of a fan of, of going to movies as you. Uh, like actually going to the movies. Uh, so I'll probably wait till it comes out on demand and, and watch it because uh, it just doesn't meet that threshold for actually going to the theater yet. But for leaving the I home, think, actually, for you for leaving the home. Yeah. <laughs> Harsh but fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got what? Eight? It's a pretty tough life if I'm accusing somebody of not leaving their home enough. When is Endgame? I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when's Endgame come out though? 
Endgame isn't that next month? Uh, end of April. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we got, you got to get out and see that. Aaron. Oh no, I mean, no, I'm going to opening night. I, I swear, I'm going to opening night. For yeah, I'm putting the over under on the amount of times I see it opening weekend at three. Actually, I'm but like, no, but I mean, you got to see this to because it's prepping the way for it, Endgame. It, somehow yeah, it, it she's going to play is, a yeah, pivotal the, role, right? Yeah, and in fact, oh. one more piece of anecdotal evidence. Dang it, Todd. On my theory is I just saw I just saw in my feed as as Aaron was talking. It's it's Salon or one of Slate, one of those lefty blogs uh-huh. has come out with their review, and it's and their review is, well, I guess it's a it's a victory for feminism that now women can have just another one of their run of the mill superhero movies too. Okay? <laughs> See, I think this is this, that 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 this is that they're mad. It didn't do any of the stuff that we thought it was going to do. They're they're going nuts over there. Is this brought to you by the same authors who are mad that um, Will Smith isn't black enough to well, play the Williams oh, father? And yeah. you can see you can see you want to talk about a Marvel a Kevin Feige troll job. The the makers of of this of the Captain Marvel film, you know, this isn't go grab what's his face who just did Elf and give him Iron Man. Okay, or go grab Scott Derrickson, uh, who had done a couple of hit horror films and give him Doctor Strange. They went and got like indie film directors to do this. So you go get indie film directors, you get outspoken, uh, you know, uh, queen of the matriarchy, Brie Larson with her Academy Award. And then you go out there and you just make a a boilerplate alien invasion film. (laughs) See, I think that's why the reviews are lukewarm. That's why. Yeah, I think the movie's actually pretty good. It's just, it's it's mainstream America pretty good. We get to go see some bad people get beat up and some explosions and the good guys win and we all go home happy. What if there really is an Illuminati and the Fagies are in charge? It's starting to get cooler on here. Uh, and, and, and the timing of saying, oh uh, yeah, we've got this uh, comic book no one's ever read. And uh, that's going to be the gay guy over there. That's that, we're going to make that one into a film after we make seventy five quadrillion dollars off of the rest of these films. Then we'll get around to doing that one. How is, is that? Is that's that's our offering? That's our offering. <laughs> okay. is, is the gay character's name intersectionality? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know because I don't know what the hell the Eternals are. I don't know. I've never heard. I don't know who they are. I've never seen. Are them you in a, really? In a You've cartoon. never even heard. I of- don't know who they are. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Now, I'm, I'm in fact. Now that I'm saying this, do I have an email in my inbox? Because I, I hear from fellow I, nerds all the time, and I don't have anything yet. Anybody telling me who these guys are? On, uh, as this is kind of on a, a, a tangential note, uh, while you look in your emails, I mean, how on a scale of of the history of going to see movies. Um, how excited are you for Endgame? Is this like your most anticipated? Oh, yeah. We're 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 this would this we're at I a think, new Star Wars movie. I think not quite Man of Steel because I I think the greatest movie trailer of all time. I I even go watch it sometimes on YouTube now. Is that three minute Man of Steel trailer, man, with the piano music and everything? I think the last time I was anticipating movie uh, movie this month or this much was uh, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, and that would be t- it too. When the first, the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises, it is in that class. Yes. It wasn't just that the Superman trailer you're talking about, but they had the two partners, the fathers talking, Kevin yes. Costner yeah. and um, whoever played Jarrell, uh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Those yeah. were amazing too. Yeah, and plus you guys know my affinity for I do. the Man of Steel. You know, that was my that was my my dude growing up. So, all right, we'll come back. We're gonna play Buy Seller Hold next, right here on the Blaze. Stay tuned.
So this is normally the time of year when those New Year's resolution begins uh, begin to lose their resolve. In fact, studies have shown by the time we get to about St. Patty's Day, 80% of us will fail in those New Year's resolutions. And uh, one of the two most popular, well, it may be the most popular now. Smoking's not as prevalent as it used to be, but it used to be for many years, the two most uh, prevalent New Year's resolutions were to quit smoking or lose weight. Lose weight's probably overall, overall number one right now. I'm absolutely sympathetic to those of you fighting the battle of the bulge. I've done the same uh, with, some, with a lot of success, but some uh, lack of success as well uh, over the years. Uh, if you're struggling with that resolution, uh, let me give you maybe a, a tip on something that might help you out. Because particularly as we get older, our metabolisms just aren't what, they're, what, what we thought they were or hoped or remembered what they were like when we were younger. There's a product out there called Riduzone. Uh, now, this is not a stimulant. Right? This is a natural. And you're going you're gonna to notice that's a big thing with me. I'm not really big into... Um, I, I got enough health issues. I don't need, you know, jack my body up with chemicals. Okay. So I'm big into the natural solution, uh, the, the, the way nature, our creator intended whenever possible. Sometimes it's not, but whenever possible, we should seek that kind of solution. And that's Riduzone. Uh, it uses uh, a, a natural substance called OEA. And uh, this is a, a metabolite that comes from olive oil. And it gives your body the signal that you're full. Stop eating. Uh, and it's produced in your body, my body, uh, even in our pets' bodies. The problem is, as especially as we get older, getting an amount that we need to speed up our metabolism would take, you know, mainlining like a half a bottle of olive oil. Now you can get it in just one pill uh, from Riduzone, all right? A single capsule of OEA that gives your body the metabolic boost it needs. Again, particularly as you get to uh, to around my age. So if you want to lose weight and you want to try it the healthy way, I recommend Riduzone. Right now they're running 30% off a three-month supply if you use my name as a promo code. Promo code Steve for a three-month supply, 30% off at Riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com, promo code Steve, Riduzone.com. Let's get to it. This week's edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold, our producer Aaron uh, has determined which of your propositions he wants Todd and I to consider. Are we buying it? Are we selling it? Once per week, we're permitted to put a hold on something. But if we do it for any reason other than this is too lame to dignify with an answer, we will be mercilessly derided and mocked for refusing to take a stand as the dude code commands. Aaron. All right. First one from Eddie. The Democrat Party nominee has not entered the race yet. So we're essentially saying it's Biden or Beto. Sure. Yep. I'll. You want to go first? I'll, I'm taking the field over any of those. Either one of those two. Yeah, they're not. Neither one of them is strong enough in my eyes that I would take that group over the field. It's this is going to be nuts. I'm going to buy uh, on the basis that I think it's pretty likely Beto is on a ticket. It's just a matter of. If he is, if he's, you know, on the top of the bunk bed or the bottom, and um, given that math, I'll buy. Okay. So that's why. All right. All right. Moving on. Nick says Trump can ensure a 2020 victory by issuing an executive order that places the Dem nominee on the cover of Mad. <laughs> <laughs> Good an idea as anything else. That is. Oh my. That is that is the great. Listen, I'm you know, uh, 
this is where Catholics and Protestants diverge sometimes is, uh, you know, uh, are there such things as curses, jinxes and things of that nature? Um, when is it when is it uh, true spiritual discernment and when is it superstition? Um, so, like, I am afraid that I will be littered with evan- my evangelical tribe mates <laughs> crushing me on my email if I admit that the Madden curse is a thing. But guys, man, the data is what it is. I don't know why it is what it is. And we saw that this year with the Steelers. When were the Pittsburgh Steelers known as the drama queens of the NFL ever in your life? Never. They've had more drama this year than they have had in the last since Chuck Knoll first got the job as head coach there like almost 50 years ago. Okay. So the Madden curse is a thing. I, I do believe that if the if the Democratic nominee were on the cover of Madden, that would all but guarantee a Trump win. I'm going with them. It's not superstition. I'm claiming it on mathematic grounds. I want to make sure my, my solo scriptura street cred remains in place. All right. So on the, on the on the grounds of the math, I will buy that proposition. I will sell because the one who is dumbest last loses, and we can go dumber than that. Somebody can. Jason says the next presidential election lost by Republicans will spell the end of the party in presidential politics because Texas will turn blue due to amnesty advanced by Dems uh, once in control. I think, you know, whenever a major institution is collapsed, when did, when was it followed by conversations like, I mean, we saw that coming all along. Aren't, aren't we always stunned when it happens? Always. Doesn't it always feel like that was just how things were always going to be, right? Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I'm going to buy your proposition, Jason, because I actually think it, it might be even broader than you think. Like, let's say the Democrats do what we were talking about in the first hour. And... Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar are given the political equivalent of a Viking funeral by the party. And then they turn around and nominate somebody like Joe Biden. And they crush Bernie Sanders because he's not really a Democrat. They don't like that, number one. And two, the Gallup poll is saying that people want to vote for literally anything other than an old socialist, right? And so let's say they knife Bernie Sanders, exile them out, nominate a guy, you know, a guy that represents whatever's left of the old Democratic Party and Joe Biden. And he goes out there and loses to Trump. Okay. Can you imagine what the conversation over on that side of the street is like? I think that's more likely than the one scenario we started with. So I, I think we're at an existential point with, with both sides. I think a lot of our people have been so exposed to the truth of the Republican party now. I mean, one of the number one pieces of feedback I get, or or you want to know the, or the number one criticism. And in fact, it's the only criticism of the book I've gotten. You know what it is? You guys have heard it before. Yep. I'm not really shocked by this now. I mean, there's been so much of this that's been exposed and that has tightened people's trust level in Trump because now people feel like if Trump doesn't deliver, where do I go? Right. What happens if Trump loses? If Trump loses, you know what people are going to do? They're going to look at folks like Rand Paul and they're going to say, 
hey, you voted against his emergency declaration. They're going to folks like Mitch McConnell and say, hey, you didn't defund Planned Parenthood. You didn't, you, you didn't repeal Obamacare. You set my guy up to fail. Now look where we are. There, I, I think this is an. This may be a crossroads for both of of these parties, depending on how this cycle turns out. So I'm buying this, Jason. That's well said. I think. Well, I'm selling just because I don't. I the the Democrats have enough crazy in them to overturn something. I, what we're learning more and more is that the, the GOP establishment and the money train that fuels it is just is so locked in. We don't have enough. And by crazy, let me not crazies, just, true believers, the ones who will say I've had it and I can't take it anymore. We 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 don't have enough of those to stop. The, I think the GOP establishment is way more firmly uh, founded for the long haul than any of us would care to. Admit it. It's just it's just a zombie, and it keeps going and going and going. Uh, Jim says Steve will institute a timer with a buzzer to speed up Todd and Aaron for failing to provide the obvious answers to his open-ended <laughs> questions. <laughs> guys, you know you guys, what it is, you right? Know, you know what's yeah, uh, you guys what? Yeah, the, what were you going to say, Aaron? No, it was uh, it was. You know, it's true. Here's the thing. When I'll take this because this is this is part of the job. Steve and he when I first met him he talked to he's done seminars on this about the importance of pregnant pauses. So Aaron and I have to figure out if he wants the pause to last or if we're supposed to jump right in. You try to do it. <laughs> That's part of it too, but I yeah. was all let me can I add this? I have there's so many times I have to stop myself from laughing when I do that and I look over and the camera has is cameras on me. When I first do this, and then eventually Aaron will pan over to Todd, but so you don't see this right away, okay? Like, but you know what I'm going to say, Aaron. Yeah. So Todd will be over here like this, and he'll do this, all right? And and it's it, it's Dustin Hoffman. And I'm Lawrence Olivier. He's Dustin Hoffman, all right? This is the marathon man, and, and Todd's like, I know the answer, but is it safe to say it? Am I being set up here? And I don't, I don't trust you. This can't be this obvious, right? Doesn't well, that happen like for like a second and a half yeah, every time? At least four times well, a show. That, yes, it does put me in a position because you're framing it. It 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 happened once that I remember. Yeah, where I I thought you framed it the other way. So, but you're trying to make a point, and then I say the exact wrong thing, and the point falls dead. Yes, I know. And then what happens is Aaron, Aaron gets worried about dead air, and so he will come in with the millennial. Over the top, double secret, cynical answer. Yeah, yeah, like it's always four dimensional chess, Dave. Like something like that. <laughs> but you, okay. And sometimes you you go on your walks though, where you you start off with this point, and then we you know we're in Czechoslovakia, and we're over here, and then you come. You back can't to win the, a land war in Asia. Yeah. Yes. You come back to the same. And, and Todd, so what's the clear answer? And I'm like, I I'm not quite certain at this point. I really am not. I'm not sure. What do you want me to say? Help me. Help you. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Chris. Uh, in ranking of greatest spaceships of all time, the Millennium Falcon is number one, fictional only. I'll buy. Bye. Yeah, I'll buy. Yeah. So the USS Enterprise, no bueno. Well, that's a, you know, which one though? There's been like six of them. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, it's the, although I, if your answer is the enterprise, I'm okay with it. You know, um, I mean, I'd be fine if you came back with a Klingon bird of prey, but my answer would be the millennium Falcon. But can I give you some advice, man, on those dog fighting missions on battlefront two, don't choose the millennium Falcon. Okay. 
choose like an X-Wing or something, Slaker. It, they didn't do it justice there in terms of it's uh, it's a little too tough to move, hmm. at least for this old man. I learned that I playing that with my son last weekend. I can't play the, the space missions in Battlefront 2. Also, Red Dead Redemption has completely ruined all non-sports video games for me forever. But it was ahead, because Todd. of how much you love it? Yeah. Todd, you, you, you're buying the Millennium Falcon too, right? You yes. bought it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Uh, moving on. Jacob Hibbard says the intersectional base of the Democrat Party is smaller than most think. And so the Democrat leadership will quietly take out AOC and Omar in a primary to keep the rest of the non-intersectional base on board. I know you already buy the uh, the second part of that because mm-hmm. we already talked about the intersectional base of the Democrat Party is smaller than most think. The intersectional base, isn't that the base, like the actual base of the Democrat Party? Um, it's one of the two bases of the Democratic. You know what? I think it's a base of one of the two bases of the Democratic Party. Okay. Um, I, I think intersection, the intersectionality thing, um, is, is sort of a, is sort of a tea party. Like the tea party was, was a base of the Republican activist grassroots that always existed. It was a new manifestation of, of, of a, of, of a, a new wing manifestation of an old, uh, or, or a traditional sentiment. I think intersectionality is sort of that for the Democratic Party. And I think what the Democratic leadership is hoping is that the same thing happens to the intersectionality base that happened to the Tea Party base. And that eventually it's overrun by who's the who's the these aren't the same things at all. Um I, I you I'm not you don't think they're the same thing at all? No, I understand why they're hoping that you're. Yeah, your I think is right, they're hoping. I think they're hoping it will be overrun by grifters, like the Tea Party base was, so that it will it'll play itself. Fizzle, yeah. So that they don't have to keep they don't have to That's... keep putting down Cortezes and Omars like a whack a mole. But I think they will be surprised to learn because it's the spirit of the age. It's the spirit of yes. the age, and there's going to be more moments yep. like Diane Feinstein yep. in that classroom. They can't put it down. They gave birth to this. Exactly. It, this is their. You know, you heard me say it to the. Republican establishment about Trump, you know, Dr. Frankenstein hates this the monster exactly he right. created. Exactly right. This is their Dr. Fr- they are the Dr. Frankenstein and inter- intersectionality is the monster they created. Yeah. Yeah, it's the exact opposite. The Tea Party wasn't created. The Tea Party was like, hey, it was a reaction. the old days? Yes. Yeah. No, totally different thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think the Democratic Party thinks it's it's, it's their yeah. Tea Party. Yeah, you're yeah, right yeah. about but, that. But it's, but it, but it, but no, it's it's their it's their it's their love child. They gave birth to it. They conjured up in a petri dish. Yeah. Uh, Doug McCone says there is a logical connection between vaccine apologists and border open border champions. So here's the thing. I I just refuse. I, I have only so many issues that I. This is marijuana to me. You know. Um, we have vaccinated our kids, but I also we with with like you know like polio and measles. Our daughters don't have HPV vaccines, and every time we have to have something, if, if we haven't done it, all my vaccines are up to date because I they had to be. I went and did a mission trip in Haiti a few years ago, and they wouldn't let me go there and come back if they weren't because it's the poorest country in our hemisphere. So those, this is like marijuana to me. Those of you that have really strong opinions about this, either way, God bless you. My hard drive, it, you know, the outrage and, and passion portion of my hard drive is full. Um, so uh, I'm going to tap out and you guys can have this argument without me, except to say, in general, I think uh, vaccines have been good for humanity. In general, I'm suspicious of any time the government 
somebody tells me that here's a government study that says you must do something and if you don't you hate people and uh, and are a terrible earthling and so that's another reason i'm conflicted because i think those two things are at conflict i also don't understand why i am concerned about non-vaccinated people when i'm vaccinated didn't i get vaccinated (laughs) so i don't have to be concerned about non-vaccinated people then why the hell did i get all those painful shots before i went to haiti if those vaccinations weren't going to save me from the haitian people okay I was vaccinated and I turned out just fine. (laughs) I just, I I wish, this is like marijuana to me, and I've already spent more time and energy than I ever wanted to spend on the subject in the last 47 seconds. I I long for the day, I long for the day that I can give this the justice some of you on both sides of it want me to, but I am placing a hold eternally on, on my positioning on this topic. Hold. Every time it comes up, I'm just holding. You buying, Todd? Uh... I appreciate what he's doing. I'll, I'll sell because it, there's no need to be conspiratorial about this. I will simply tell you this, and you do what you want. Listen, I am vaccinated. My wife is not vaccinated. My four daughters are not vaccinated. And before you tell me I'm trying to kill my kids, have the courage to follow Cheryl Atkinson and the research she has done on this as a reporter and and just regularly follow her and what she has to say about it because a lot of the 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 screaming hysterical things are easily taken off the shelf if you're willing to give her an honest uh, look and then you can have a conversation and do what you want because i'm not threatened by what steve does and he's not threatened by what i do and he just you know why i'm not threatened by what you do do you know why i'm not threatened because i'm i'm vaccinated there I was just going to say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see. We got another. Okay. We got one more time for this one real quick. Are you buying the Steve Day Show bingo card from Ordinary Steve? Step on his at the very C.S. Lewis. At the very center, MCU <laughs> or Star Wars discussion. We got that today. Lord of the Rings or Dark Knight reference. Got that today. Bashing soccer, negative integers. Yeah. I uh, love me some me. Let's see. Terrible. Lindsey Graham's team. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love I love over on the left side Ezekiel twenty three twenty. I love yes, that. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, yes. Look that bomb. up after the show, everyone. Yeah, yes. we got the truth bomb in there. Uh, let's see. Notice the order: Wolverines, Badgers, yeah. Hawkeyes. Uh, you forgot Todd quoting. What are you prepared to do? <laughs> yeah, no, it's right there. It's oh, on is the it right on there? Side. Okay, yeah. uh, then, it's good. then we're yes. good. We're totally good. Thin yes. gruel relocation mistress boy. That's it's everything. That's an all. You yeah. know what? I I'm, I'm, I'm a eternal hold. On the vaccine debate, I'm an eternal buy on, on that, that bingo one. card. All right. <laughs> hey, when was the last time you had your ears professionally cleaned? Have you ever? You know what? You can do it now in the comfort and convenience of your own home. Avoid pesky doctor's offices, long waits, and high-cost bills and co-pays with our friends at WaxRx. It's a prescription-grade formula that you can now get without a prescription. A real solution, not like cotton swabs, but a real solution for that ear pain, that plugged-up feeling. And now you can get it uh, with free shipping uh, if you use promo code Steve, when you go to usewaxrx.com, again, the website, usewaxrx, that's all one word, usewaxrx.com, promo code, actually, it's radio, not Steve, my bad, promo code radio to get free shipping at WaxRx. Gentlemen, we are out of time for the day. Um, thank you for most of your contributions. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.